You can do whatever you want, baby. I got I got four things. There's one if anybody scoops me on, I'm going to be mad about. What, 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 what is it? What is it? No, I'm going to keep it quiet. I don't want you to scoop me on it. Is it Prisoners? No. It's not anything you're going to think of. It's a very me movie. It's not an Edwin movie. Bing bong. That one? Bing bong. It's bing bong. Okay. Daniel, I'm going to go over there and take the bing bong. Mm. Bing bong. <laughs> <laughs> It's turkey time, Secret Movie Clubbers. Welcome to Secret Movie Club Podcast 127. Our topic today are nominations for Thanksgiving movies that are not John Hughes's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Edwin has already named two that I'm embarrassed didn't even pop to my mind. I think are brilliant. I hope we'll bring them both up. Who is with us today? Oh, uh, what's up? It's Daniel. Hey, it's me, Connor Lloyd Cruz, the people's champion. Uh, hello, America! It's another day in Gobbleland where we're not talking about the ultimate Thanksgiving picture which is Planes, Trains, and Automobile, which is a damn dirty shame because I worship that picture. You can talk about it. I didn't say you can't not talk about it. I just, we got to name and nominate movies that aren't Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Well, guess what, Craig? You just ruined the damn intro for me, all right? Now you just now got to do a whole other spiel. You know it's what? Edwin, the turkey man himself. Okay. All right, okay. Can that be your superhero? Can we write that right now, turkey man? Dude, origin story. One Thanksgiving. What is it? A rabid turkey got into Edwin's bed when he fell asleep from a Coca-Cola overdose drank some coca-cola and then made out with edwin and edwin became turkey man oh my god is it turkey man two words turkey man one word or turkey man with a dash between no it's one word turkey man and what's his power does he just create buffets for people and bring families together to fight i, I guess I don't, I don't know i mean I don't know. he's just he's just a, a, a high volume presence in your life he has the spectacular ability to whitewash genocide whoa <laughs> and whoa. he he feeds you and you're like wow i'm so happy but then you have to eat the same thing every meal every day for like a month even though it's going bad i was just gonna go with he pops his head up at inopportune times like this. <laughs> you went with whitewashing genocide. He's, he's an arbor of the establishment. Okay. Wow. I'm being a real Alan Moore about it. Okay. Well, and I'm Craig, the founder programmer of Secret Movie Club. Happy Turkey Day, everybody. I will tell you that next Wednesday, we are doing our open mic short night for November 2022, Passport to Noir. These have become some of the most attended, enjoyed nights of our, our month. A bunch of filmmakers are going to bring their short films. Uh, many of them have made films specifically for the theme, which is Passport to Noir. So get ready for some noir shorts. And that is Wednesday, November 30th at 7.30 p.m. December 1st, we haven't announced this on our website, but by the time you hear this, it'll be up. Uh, and it's free, actually, because it's an official four-year consideration screening. Disney and the Guadalajara Film Festival are joining with us to premiere, or not, it's probably not a premiere, I shouldn't put it that way, but it's a four-year consideration screening of a movie called Mija a Latinx film. We're going to have the filmmakers there. All praise and organization and credit has to go to Vanessa Perez of the Guadalajara Film Festival. She is the one who has made this happen. We're just lucky enough to host and screen this movie. But if you want to see the new Disney movie, Mija, you want to see the filmmakers, you want to talk to them. Whenever Guadalajara Film Festival does an event and we're lucky enough to host it, it's always a party. So please join us. I'm very honored that they chose us to do that. And those are the two events uh, that are on the docket. And as always, you can write us at community at secretmovieclub.com and you can see everything we're doing at secretmovieclub.com. And at this point, when you hear this podcast, we will be, I hope, one or two weeks away from announcing our January through March, announcing our filmmaker of 2023 
who I will tell you I, I think I've picked. It's Mike Myers. <laughs> it better be someone good, man. Come on. I'm still letting it settle with me, but I for a while it's been in my bones and my marrow, and I feel I will say this. I hope, and I think that everybody here will go, oh, you know, there's going to be a little something for everyone here. And it's not Spielberg, by the way. That's not going to happen for a while. It's, it's Dan Aykroyd. We're playing nothing but trouble once a month. Yeah. And we're going to review different aspects of it. That's going to be our theme song. What was that digital underground song? The Humpty Dance? Anyway, moving on. That's a Thanksgiving movie. Today, we are talking about Thanksgiving movies. It's sort of interestingly, it has been pointed out by no less than Eli Roth and his fake trailer for Grindhouse that for some reason of all the holidays, you can get Valentine's Day movies. There are a fair amount of movies that have a centerpiece sequence around the 4th of July. Brian De Palma's Blowout probably being one of the, the most famous of those. But there are not Thanksgiving movies that readily jump to your mind immediately. Although maybe today everyone's going to change that. So today we're each going to nominate a Thanksgiving movie or Thanksgiving themed movie that is not John Hughes go to planes, trains and automobiles, which I love. And in some ways is the quintessential American Thanksgiving movie right now in the same way that Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life is one of the quintessential American Christmas movies. I think it's probably fair to say that they're not a ton of Thanksgiving movies because people who make movies think about the international audience and Thanksgiving would be as nonsensical to the international audience as Canada Day or Boxing Day or, you know, any other sort of very nation specific holidays are to other nations. What I meant about Eli Roth is in Grindhouse, he does a fake trailer for a horror movie called Thanksgiving where the bad guy is like, I don't even think they call him the pilgrim, but he's dressed as a pilgrim and he just goes around killing people on Thanksgiving. And there's a voice. It's like Thanksgiving. There's that voice. It's like the, it's like white meat, dark meat, <laughs> all will be carved. <laughs> and it's I, I, probably the best fake trailer. And I think it was in reference that nobody, nobody has made like the quintessential Thanksgiving horror movie. I think it has kind of a, a shameful association totally, for, yeah, for yeah. a lot of Americans also. I think a lot of people, even people who aren't necessarily ashamed in that way, you really just celebrate Thanksgiving as sort of an abstract, well, this time of year, everyone's going to get together, especially as somebody who lives, you know, across the country from my family and with Christmas right next to it, Thanksgiving has now become like a... Uh, more of like a friend holiday for me, where it's like about meeting with people that way. A great point. Maybe we'll, it is funny that in the United States, if we have any international listeners, unless you're at school <laughs> and they're trying to contextualize where the holiday came from, it's essentially a, the day you get together with your family, either your biological family or your chosen family. That's what it means to us now for all intents and purposes. But the day for anybody who they don't teach it anymore is like, well, what is Thanksgiving? We were taught in school and I don't even think they teach it this way anymore. And look, and I say this as somebody who in many ways is a proud American. We have to acknowledge a huge old lie, which was that these Puritans came over from Europe and then these Native Americans said, hey, we're going to show you how to live in America. And then we all got together at a table in New England and the Native Americans brought their foodstuffs Maze. and the Puritans brought their foodstuffs. And we all joined hands and gave thanks and had this wildly diverse meal when, in fact, there was there was some of that. But. Obviously, the history of the United States and Native Americans and the Puritans. Uh, anyway, uh, who wants to nominate their first movie? Uh, uh, if I can get it out of the way, um, Martin Scorsese's The Last Waltz. 
is my pick for Thanksgiving uh, movie. I watch that every year on Thanksgiving Day because that's the historical day where the band formed their last concert together and they called it The Last Waltz and they perform it on Thanksgiving Day in 1977, I think. I didn't know yeah. that till you told me that. That's crazy. We, we saw it. The, the guy said it. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And they start jamming and the end credits started. How do you not know that? It says, starting at 5 p.m., the audience of 5,000 was served turkey dinners. See, there you go. A fun irony that the band is Canadian. That was very considerate of them. <laughs> it's very Canadian of them. Uh, I was going to mention uh, Scent of a Woman. There, I said it. He said it. Son of a woman. Because it has that Thanksgiving dinner and Al Pacino goes, uh, you know, ooh and uh But I, I picked The Lost Walls because I think that's a great Thanksgiving movie because one, it's an historical day that no one ever talks about. It's great. It's awesome. You can get the 4K Criterion or watch the 35 print if we ever do it again because that print was beautiful and loud. So, yeah. That's a great call because I'm thankful for that movie. That movie is just a celebration. Of, it is a celebration. I can't think of another concert film other than Live Aid, I guess, where so many banger artists just come out and kill songs. I got one solid one and some other a little more like less solid ones. I'll do my solid one first, which is... Uh, Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie. That's the that's the Thanksgiving dinner I'm at in the movie. Could you imagine having Thanksgiving dinner with Willem Dafoe and James Franco? It'd be incredible. Um, <laughs> is World Unity Festival? Because like halfway through the movie, they go to like this big festival in the middle of like Times Square with all these big balloons. And I don't know if that's a real thing or if it's a fictional thing, but it obviously evokes the uh, Macy's Day Parade. There's obviously the Thanksgiving. I'm pretty sure the meat of his movie takes place in November. There's obviously sections at the beginning of the movie that take place in the spring and summer. But I think most of the movie takes place in November. It's about family. This is kind of a found family. I was thinking about that because technically, unless Ben took May's name, Aunt May and Peter aren't actually like blood related. They're related by marriage. His uncle would be his father's brother. There's like a runner in the movie that um, I've always liked when Uncle Ben tries to give him the great power comes great responsibility line early on. And he says something about, I'm not your father. And Peter kind of throws it in his face. Says like, yeah, I know you're not my father. Stop acting like it. And then like midway through, we see him pretty bummed out about <laughs> saying that. And then at the end of the movie, when he finds out that Norman is the Green Goblin, Norman has a line about, like, be a son to me now. And he acknowledges Ben as uh, his actual father. I find that stuff powerful. I think it totally works as a Thanksgiving movie, not just because of the scene, because it's got good, nice emotions. I guess it does involve the destruction of their family. So maybe that's kind of a bummer. Norman Osborn and Harry Osborn. But well, some Thanksgivings. Maybe that's Thanksgiving. I was going to say some Thanksgivings are the annual yearly destruction of the family. My other secondary nominations, I think vibe wise, Fantastic Mr. Fox would be a great Thanksgiving movie. I always associate The Godfather with Thanksgiving because I feel like every time I would go over to my uncle's house, they would always be playing it there'd be like kids there they'd be playing would it be like tnt so i guess it would be edited still like a weird association probably my second actually most genuine one is and this is also an, an association from being a child but all of the pierce brosnan and most of the daniel craig james bond movies have all been released in mid-november and so i totally associate the bond series with thanksgiving as well and like seeing those movies with my dad 
I am going to actually nominate, going a little bit with what Connor and I were talking about before, it's not explicitly a Thanksgiving movie, but I think it actually deals with the subject in a really fascinating way about the origins of the holiday, and that's Terrence Malick's The New World. Alex Olivia and I talk about this all the time. For me, the last from start to finish great Terrence Malick movie, and I actually, there are parts of To the Wonder and Tree of Life I really, really love, and I, I haven't even seen the newer ones that I got to. If you've never seen The New World, it is the story of Pocahontas, basically, told from her point of view, played amazingly by Corianka Kilcher. It's the story of the arrival of the British to America to form Jamestown, essentially, as experienced by the Native Americans. And what's interesting about the movie, it's very uh, layered and complex. Colin Farrell is great. Uh, he falls in love with Pocahontas. And both sides don't quite know how to to interact with the other side. Over time, we experience the story from Pocahontas's point of view, and she goes from being a young, you know, almost a teenager, to experiencing a lot of pain and lies and betrayals at the hands of these men uh, who she helps, these British men, these European men, who sometimes don't even intend to betray her, but just because of how they are and who they are, betray her. And then she she grows and she sort of endures and survives. And you see the beginnings of America told in a way that's fascinating. And one of my favorite things about that movie is that eventually she goes to Britain and you realize that from her point of view, England is the new world that she's never seen a world like this. It's this amazing idea that suddenly you're like to a Native American, Europe would be the new world. Anyway, I wish I could say more profound things, but it was shot by Emmanuel Lebesky. It is a gorgeous film. And it's, it's a very earnest, sincere grappling with how our country, how the United States probably started. And so I would just recommend anybody who's never seen it. It really grabs you. Christian Bale comes in late in the movie in a great performance. And it also shows how Jamestown didn't work out because these guys didn't know how to survive. They had none of the skill sets of the Native Americans. And so they're freezing and starving while the Native Americans knew how to endure these winters and knew how to live in the United States. And probably a more realistic sincere look at that time period than what we're taught at school. And yet, nevertheless, I think it bears some of the sincerity of two cultures trying to cohere. And that to me is um, one of the mysteries and the beauties of America and the United States is all these cultures coming to this land, trying to cohere as a new culture, a cohered culture. And that's the best of us and maybe the best of what Thanksgiving is. But you also have to acknowledge the horror and tragedy and genocide and hypocrisy that comes with that. If you don't look at both sides of it, you're not wrestling with the issue, I think, earnestly. And you have to wrestle with the issue if we're going to be a United States of America or the country we wanted to be from our inception. Anyway, that's my nomination. Daniel, your nomination. I have two nominations and I'm going to divide them between the two ways that I think about Thanksgiving so that it makes sense. The first one will start good. My nomination is American Movie. There's a crux of Thanksgiving, as Connor mentioned, that I associate, where it is about family, both chosen, given chosen, and then the friends that make up your family. And there's a really beautiful part of American Movie, which I revisited because uh, Mike Shank from American Movie passed away a few weeks ago. And it's Mark talking about how thankful he is for Mike specifically. 
it's in the middle of all this stuff of all these struggles and obstacles that they as artists are facing. And so these little moments of just the small things that they're thankful for, which is just, he's always there that I think is really, really beautiful. I think in the, in the Thanksgiving pantheon, it is a worthy addition. And then on the other end of that, I have a firm belief that part of what makes Thanksgiving Thanksgiving is family drama that escalates into violence. And with that, I nominate Knives Out as a quintessential Thanksgiving film. Both in vibe. It has a very fall vibe, as does American movie. But the entire thing is about people that don't necessarily want to be together, but feel obligated to be together. Picking and fighting both politically, morally, all realm of conversation of just complete separation of ideals between each other across generations, but forced to be in a space together, um, in this case, because of a tragedy, showing their true colors, escalated into violence, and then going their separate ways. I totally blanked out on that, Daniel. Did Knives Out take place during Thanksgiving? I don't, it doesn't explicitly say it's it's fall. It's a chilly fall vibe. They both come out at Thanksgiving. I wrote that Knives Out is a, is a Thanksgiving classic. I strongly associate Thanksgiving with the type of drama that Knives Out really caters to. Not as violent in terms of the uh, inciting incident, but just the general vibe of what a family can get into when there's conflicts of religious, political, moral interests. It's less coming together. They can come together to attack someone else that they disagree with, but it's it's just that harboring tension of, what are we going to get into it this year, Grandpa, that I, I, I love. I love in movie form, to be clear. In Knives Out, I always really liked that sub storyline about Christopher Plummer and Chris Evans and sort of where it goes, because Christopher Plummer feels that Chris Evans is very much like him. But where it goes is really interesting. And I think it captures something about family where you see a characteristic, maybe as an older generation, you're like, I wish that didn't get passed down. Or I wish maybe this person had transcended that characteristic. On my dad's side of the family, my grandmother, my bubby, her maiden name was Bearfeld. Her maiden name was Levin. I'm sorry, my great-grandmother's maiden name was Bearfeld. And there was a characteristic, the battling Bearfelds. And they just all, yeah, that was literally, it was a whole thing in our family. They were just fighters with each other and with the world, argued, yelled, fierce. And then my great grandmother, Ava had that. And then my grandmother, Sally had that. And then my dad's side of the family had that just in your face, confrontational. And my dad had it a little bit. And I think, and my aunt had it. And I think it was a thing that all our cousins were like, that's a characteristic we'd like to leave that behind. (laughs) Generational. And speaking just to Knives Out, there's tiny fragments of kindness that get shared, especially between Daniel Craig and Ana de Armas. But I think those really kick because moments like that I associate with Thanksgiving. That Any moment of like genuine kindness between friends and family, I think to me, that is like what the holiday should exist as. So yes, I joke and I do mean because it happened. It's happened to me many times. But that like inciting tension of people scattered around the states with different views come together for one day out of necessity. But I think the little moments of kindness that spark a little bit of hope are, are nice. Knives Out, American movie. I had two bonus picks for Thanksgiving things that they have like explicit Thanksgiving things. But Krisha, Tradward Schultz, Krisha. Oh, another great call. Such a great movie. Not a great one to watch with family. Great movie, but not something you want to watch like in a group. One you would want to watch, though, that I think just fits the whole holiday streak is um, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Uh, a perfect little thing. Great calls, everybody. Uh, just playing trains and automobiles. That's it. That's all I got. Dinner. Traveling. Hell. 
Politics. I'm excited. I'm going over to Anne's place for it. I'm going to make my world-famous sweet potato casserole that I've made the last couple of years. It's delicious. So I'm excited about that. No thoughts about it in movies, to be fair. You know, it's something I did actually, it did occur to me. I also associate the Rocky movies with Thanksgiving. No, that's right. And the Creed movies came out at Thanksgiving. At least the first one did. It's funny what you said about Godfather. Godfather popped in my head, and I always associate Godfather with Thanksgiving, Christmas, with this time of year. My family would put on the Godfather all the time and we'd all like look at each other and be like family like, <laughs> and this was just a very warm memory it was a movie that i've talked about this a lot but a lot of people on my mom's side of the family are very republican and a lot of people on my dad's side of the family uh very democrat or liberal very conservative very liberal even within my mom's side of the family there's a liberal wing and a conservative wing but when you would put on godfather everyone would sit and watch the movie it would really just so in a weird way, make that political point moot because there's something so Shakespearean about the Godfather. But what's funny is that it was only in my adult life, uh, my 20s, that I had the realization that these two men, Vito Corleone and Michael Corleone, destroy their family. So it was a great irony to me that we all love the filmmaking and love the movie and associated it with Catholicism and baptisms and extended family and aunts and uncles. I mean, it's very, there's a lot of Catholicism in those films. That's no newsflash to anybody. But if you really look at what those movies are about, they're about two men who, in trying to save their family, make the worst decision and destroy their families. And so as an adult, I don't watch The Godfather as like a celebration of family. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Pop culture and final thoughts. Yeah, I'm going for it. I want to I I skedaddle out of here because I got a picture to watch. The boys got the ski daddle. Yeah. Uh, for my pop culture, uh, I'm going to see a motion picture that Craig has been wanting to see for a very long time. You said this last week. I'm going to say it again. I am leaving right now to go see Failman's. By the time this comes out, I already watched it, and I was going to say it's a damn match piece. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to curse out UCLA because I don't care about college kids. and all that. I'm here for a movie. I'm there for Spielberg, and I'm there for John Williams and David Lynch because he plays John Ford, and that's that's all I got. I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah. You're waiting yeah. in line at the James Bridges Theater on the UCLA campus, and a 21 or 22-year-old college student comes up to you. She starts talking to you. Yeah. She loves Spielberg, too. What happens from there? Uh, so, yeah, the line starts right over there. So uh, See, yeah. I knew it. No. See, Ed Edward made the right decision. What he didn't know is she has a knife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to sign out of this, and uh, yeah, bye. Bye. For my movie night last night, instead of watching a movie, we watched three short films. Uh, we watched Ratatouille, the uh, Brazilian mockbuster Ratatouille. That is really bad. That was about 45 minutes. Uh, we watched Creating Rem Lazar, which is like a 50-minute. It's from the late 80s. Uh, it's like a kid's TV program about these two kids who are dreaming of the same imaginary friend who's this like adult man uh, in like a weird superhero getup named Rem Lazar. And then they summon him to life and there's like kind of creepy undertones the whole way through with their like relationship with this adult man. The music is like kind of funky, but it's all the whole movie has like a real manic energy, which I think is probably cocaine. <laughs> is going to be my guess. And then we uh, finished the night off with Look Well, a TV pilot from the early 90s starring Adam West, written by Conan O'Brien, 
where Adam West plays a washed up TV actor named Ty Lookwell, who used to be a famous cop on TV. And he starts inserting himself into uh, uh, cop situations, into like cases in order to try to figure it out. But he's just a moron. There's a really great sequence where uh, there's like a benefit for the homeless or whatever. And he gets one of his acting students to act like a rich person. And then he comes as the homeless person she's sponsoring. And he's just in this like old timey, he has like a bindle on a stick, comical outfit. But he's just talking normally like Adam West and He's trying to get clues from people and somebody starts being suspicious of him. He's like, oh, don't mind me. I'm just a wild vagabond. Really good, funny stuff. And you can find all those on YouTube. And uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Connor Cruz. And uh, watch me play D&D Tuesday evenings, twitch.tv slash Nerdhala. Is that what the knapsack at the end of a stick is called? A bindle? Wow. Uh, the bindle is portrayed as a stick with a cloth. The whole thing is a bindle. Oh, got it. Got yeah, it. it's got like, he looks like he's like playing a like a hopeless person in like Disneyland. Like he's got these giant like <laughs> patches. Uh, they're like multicolored and stuff. Uh, I watched the weird, weird, the Al Yankovic story film, which is streaming on Roku. And to watch that is such a thing. It's free. It's difficult. But you had to like get an app and then mirror the app to your television. So you can actually watch it on a TV screen because it doesn't work on a computer or on like a, a set top box that isn't a Roku device. You just watch it on your phone. Yeah, it was so it was it's interesting. It's fun because it's the idea is it's it's a biopic about Weird Al who seems to be just like a very genuinely lovely guy. So they made a very wild um what if Weird Al origin story where he gets addicted to drugs and has to rescue Madonna from like situations and gets into all these fights over like these song parody things. The running joke about Beat It is so funny. The light spoilers is that he writes Eat It. The character version of Weird Al writes Weird Al's Eat It as an original song in the history of the movie. And then Michael Jackson creates Beat It as a parody of Eat It. It seems like a slight <laughs> jab at uh, Back to the Future. A white man taking credit that Chuck Berry's let the legacy he created was created by this white <laughs> dude. So I think it's making fun of that. It's one joke for a little under two hours, but Dana Radcliffe is having a, a grand old. It's just, it's hard not to enjoy. I have started a new book, one that I've wanted to read. I'm, I, I'm on a kick now of finally tackling a number of books that I've always wanted to tackle and, and let's just do it. So I'm doing George Eliot's Middlemarch. Uh, Marianne Evans. Um, I've just started it, so I'm just going to talk about starting it. But as a writer, one of the things I always admire, and I think this was true of Ford, Renoir, and Kurosawa, was that they were avid, avid readers, and they would read a ton. And I think as a movie maker, you can actually learn a ton from reading novels. The obvious storytelling and character and tone and atmosphere, but actually also different ways to have an authorial voice and how to structure things. And I think that what's fun is reading a novel and then going, well, how would I take this really exciting idea cinematically. And George Eliot does this thing that I've never seen anyone do quite as effectively as she does. <laughs> it's actually really unsettling to me. I'm, I'm still dealing with it, which is that you can see the flaws of every single character. It's a bit of a distance third voice where I don't really know who the hero of the book is. And there's no villain either. And I think that's actually what's so wonderfully beautiful and unsettling is ostensibly maybe um, these two sisters, Dorothea and Celia Brooks, are going to be two of our. And I've heard that it's a kind of Altman-esque. I know that we're eventually going to really get to know all the people in Middlemarch. So it's going to go between all these different people in this provincial English town. Um, 
um, and we're going to see the different perspectives. But it is a little unsettling to really see in this beautiful way, without George Eliot ever editorializing, the limitations of each of these characters. And I think this is how life is, how we perceive people. So Dorothea Brooks is very admirable, but she's very idealistic. And almost immediately you feel she's making the wrong marriage choice. <laughs> and you're like, why are you doing this? And yet you don't dislike her. You, you're very empathetic, but you see her limitations. And George Eliot does that with every character that you meet. You're like, huh, no one's a bad guy. No one's a good guy. I like these aspects. I see these limitations. And it's sort of the way we probably perceive everybody except for ourselves, which is it's really hard to then turn that mirror on yourself and be like, well, I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. Here are my strengths. Here are my weaknesses. These are the things that are always going to like lead me to bad decisions. So I'm really enjoying the start of it, but I'm also deeply unsettled by it. But it led me to wonder like, man, could you make a movie with that kind of third person ironic distance and yet at the same time empathy? I've never seen anyone really do it the way she does it. Um, usually it's a little too ironic or it's a little too empathetic. Middle March, I'll tell you how it goes as I read it. It is a long one. So I think about 900 pages. So I'm, I'm about 100 in. Thank you guys. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. As always, this podcast was edited by our chief creative content officer, Connor Lloyd Cruz. Secret Movie Club podcast 128 will actually be a bit different and I hope fun. We're going to talk about movie posters, which play a pivotal role and have from the dawn of movies in getting people excited about a movie, hinting at what the movie's about. People collect these posters. Part of our business now are alternative movie posters. By the time that you hear this, we'll have been a few weeks beyond this movie poster party and that we're doing. The reason we're doing this podcast is because uh, we are doing a weekend devoted to, we, we're very excited. We'll be able to talk about it when we record it. A very famous poster designer who did three movie posters, Boogie Nights, Eyes Wide Shut, and Shawshank Redemption. And we'll get into that. We'll get into poster collecting and and just movie posters as a topic I'm obsessed with. Because if any of us are lucky enough to get to make movies, you always want a dope movie poster. And I would say Connor's favorite movie of all time has one of the dopest movie posters ever, Evil Dead. It's very hard. I mean, that image is iconic. However, they came up with that one. If you say Evil Dead, a lot of people will know that image, even though that image is not actually in the film. Am I correct on that? Yeah, no, not really. So there you go. So we're going to have conversations like that. Uh, you can find out about everything we're doing at secretmovieclub.com. Write us a community at secretmovieclub.com. Remember, our next event is next Wednesday. It's open mic short night. And then on Thursday, it's our partnership with the Guadalajara Film Festival. We're doing a free four-year consideration screening of the Disney movie Mika with the filmmakers in attendance. Please register for that ASAP because when it fills up, it fills up. We only have 100 seats. And uh, thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Goodbye, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Love you, family.